When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santopadre. Our guest this week is an author, producer, game show hostess, a humanitarian, an activist, and a popular and versatile actress who's been a fixture on both the big and small screen for decades. You know her work and her familiar face for motion pictures like Witness for the Prosecution, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, Bullet for a Bad Man, Funny Face, Marjorie Morningstar, The Rat Pack Vehicle, Sergeants 3, and Funny Bones. Her appearances on classic television shows are too numerous to mention, but what the hell? Dragnet, Gunsmoke, Maverick, Bonanza, the Fugitive, Perry Mason, The Andy Griffith Show, The Wild Wild West, The Lucy Show, Hogan's Heroes, Mannix, The Love Boat, Fantasy Island, Mork and Mindy and Roseanne. And of course, a memorable episode of The Twilight Zone, a short drink from a certain fountain. In a very long and successful career that began way back when her mother entered her in a local talent shows at the tender age of three. She's gone on to work with and befriend a who's who of Hollywood royalty, including Frank Sinatra, Lucille Ball, Burns and Allen, Dean Martin, Milton Berle, Audrey Hepburn, Clint Eastwood, Fred Astaire, Sammy Davis Jr., Jerry Lewis, Gene Kelly, Billy Wilder, Mickey Rooney, Marlena Dietrich, and her best pal, Debbie Reynolds, and yes, even Cesar Romero, to just name a few. Her brand new memoir, and it's a doozy, is called Consider Your Ass Kissed. <laughs> <laughs> A candid and funny look at her astonishing nine decades in the entertainment business. Frank and I are thrilled to welcome to the show the former candy girl at Grauman's Chinese Theater, as well as the one-time Shirley Temple of Lithuania. The woman who says she loved Billy Barty, but thought Hervé Villages was a real putz. The legendary Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> I am 
having such a good time. I thought this would be a great testimonial to me for my obituary, except you'll send me to my grave laughing, Gilbert, so what the hell? <laughs> we'll all have a good time at my funeral. <laughs> Welcome, Ruta. Uh, now, now, let's start off with uh, the, uh, the last thing said. Because I once lost a part in a movie to Billy Barty. (laughs) I was supposed to be, uh, Mel Brooks was doing this movie, Life Stinks. And and I I read for it and they said, oh, Gilbert, you're great. We really want you. And at the last minute they said, oh, uh, they're not going with you. They they decided on Billy Barty. He's so close to you. <laughs> Was a Mel Brooks movie, Ruta, to be, to be exact. To be exact. Well, I had the great joy of working with Billy Barty on many things. As you know, I headed up for years along with Debbie Reynolds, The Thalians, and mm-hmm. we did big, huge extravaganza fundraising events every year. And Billy Barty came to work with us many, many times. I also had the privilege of being so totally overruled, and I'm so glad I was, when I was doing uh, Irma La Douce. And the storyteller has never been played by a little person. And I thought, this is going to make too much of a cartoon out of it. We can't do that. The play is funny enough, you know, without that. He got cast over my original objections And I am so grateful that nobody listened to me because he was absolutely extraordinary. What a fine actor Billy was, besides being the comedic little person that he was. Mm -hmm. I adored him, absolutely adored him. And Gilbert, you're so right about Villachez. He thought... Huts is too nice of a word for him. <laughs> Schmuck is a better word. And and he he thought he was God's gift to women. I, I'm sure it had to do with the fact that he only came up to a certain area on their bodies. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, I I just, I couldn't understand how anybody could become a star saying, De plain, boss, de plain. That's about the only thing he did right as far as I'm concerned. Now look. <laughs> <laughs> Getting right into I it. I, I don't ever like to uh, speak ill of anybody as far as that goes. and uh, But I just felt like he deserved anybody saying anything ill about him because he really was I didn't he get married to a couple of very big girls as I recall I believe he did I believe he did gee I wonder I don't think the fact that he had a hit series had anything to do with that (laughs) Ruta would would you would, would you like to hear Gilbert's dead on Hervé impression yes I would I would oh okay uh, years ago, when when uh, Fantasy Island was on the air, the number one show was Magnum. And that was like, you know, billions of people were tuning into Magnum. And, uh, you know, and 
The star was Tom Selleck, who was the most handsome guy in the world. Mm. And they said, Irve Villages used to get lose his temper about that and go, I should be making all the money that Tom Selleck was making. <laughs> and I should... <laughs> and, and I should be getting even more pussy than Tom Zeluk. <laughs> Ruta is applauding. Bravo, bravo, bravo. <laughs> he Did you understand why Tom Zeluk got more pussy than he? Now, let me ask you, did you ever do that for Tom? Uh, no, I should. Oh, should. you must have him guest and do that for him. He will pee his pants. He will just love that. <laughs> have to make that happen, Gil. Oh, my oh, Lord, sp- Gil. <laughs> oh, speaking of peeing in your pants. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Frank and I were talking about how you appeared on, and we both watched it, you appeared on the Lucy show with, with Milton Berle. Yeah. Oh, Lord, yes. I truly did pee my pants on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's done, as you know, uh, in front of a live audience for yeah. camera system, which taught me a great deal. Lucy was wonderful. And, of course, I knew Milton, and, and I knew Ruth, his wife, and, and of course, Lucy was a friend. And... Uh, when in that particular sequence, Lucy in the kitchen is preparing lunch and she hears myself and Milton doing a scene from a movie that he wants to do. We're rehearsing. And of course, it has to do with a foolish wife and that we're having an affair and blah, blah, blah. And Lucy, of course, as she always does, makes a mistake and assumes that we are having a, a relationship. And in the process of preparing lunch, she brings it in, and it's a great big, huge chopped salad with a lot of Thousand Island dressing on it, and she <laughs> plops it on Milton's head. Now, to see Milton Burl in a full suit and tie with salad dressing running down his glasses, and he uses his fingers as window washers and wipes them clean. And then, of course, there's so much heeing and hawing, the audience is screaming, and I finally said, well, thank God I'm wearing a white dress because otherwise you'd seen a big fat stain. How did you like Milton, Ruta, personally? I loved him. I yeah. knew he was tough, tough, tough. Uh-huh. And he he didn't like anybody standing on one of his lines or cutting him off or doing whatever. And he would get kind of wild and crazy. But But I adored him. And why did I love him so much? Because he, exactly like Lucy, would come and perform and appear at whatever I asked him to do. That's nice. Now, how many people can you say th- about that in the world, you know? I, I love that, that generous, generous people. Of course, look, let's face it, boys. I think actors 
are the most generous people in the world. Uh, actors, performers, singers, entertainers of any sort, musicians. Ah, musicians belong to a union, they get paid. If we can work in this business and make a living in it and enjoy the fruits of working with people that make us laugh, that make us sing, that make us our hearts be filled with joy, that is a blessing that has to be given back in some way. So either pay it forward or pay it back uh, and don't be stingy about it. Just do it to the best of your ability uh, for those who can't do it for themselves. And I have to drag this interview into the mud again. That's... <laughs> oh, thank God. That's such a happy place. That's a... <laughs> and anyone who, who has heard me on the podcast uh, knows my favorite topic about Milton Berle. Do you mm. know where this is headed? <laughs> I surely do. <laughs> She's got you figured out, Gilbert. <laughs> I surely do. He had a grand reputation. But if you want to read a little bit of something about it in my book, I think Frank Sinatra could put him to shame. Wow. Oh, okay, so... Uh, I'm not going to say yeah. another word. You have to get my book and you read about it. have to get the it. book. <laughs> but it's, it's in the book. But have, have you ever seen Milton Berle's... Uh, no, I never have, but I sure have heard a lot of commentary on it. And I've known two of his wives. I didn't know the first one, but uh, I think they both just smiled and nodded. Let's put it that way. Yeah. One, one of our guests saw it, and uh, he called it an anaconda. <laughs> I think we've oh. had about six or seven guests. On this show, because <laughs> yeah. he used, Burl would love showing it to people. Seven, yeah, seven people at the same time in different rooms, Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Ruta, tell us where the wonderful title of your book came from. Oh my goodness! Well, you know, very honestly, it's an expression that I have used for many, many, many years, and I am so grateful to people who have turned a television set on because I was going to be on or that came to buy a, a theater ticket because I was appearing or bought a movie ticket because I was in a movie. Mm -hmm. And more than all of that, the people that have been good to me and my charity, the Thalians, which is Hollywood for mental health, and people have donated a dollar, they've they've donated $500,000. What can I do to these people but say, thank you from the bottom of my heart, but above all, I want each and every one of you to please consider your ass kissed. Right. That's an expression that we have certainly used in show business for years, sometimes with a right sort of negative connotation, but in most cases... It's a sweet gesture. Of course. A very sweet gesture. And I mean it gratefully from the bottom of my heart when I say it. And my very good friend, whom you, I'm sure, know, George Pinocchio, who is the red carpet man, as mm -hmm. we saw in the Academy Awards and everything else here in Hollywood, uh, heard me use that expression many times at our Thalian events. And he pulled me aside one day and he said, Roots, 
if you ever write a book, that should be the title of your book. Well, it sure has caught the fancy of people across the United States, and I'm very, very grateful for that piece of advice from George, and I thank you for noticing and asking the question. Thank oh, you, boys. Oh, it's a fun title. So the book, the book is not only a memoir, it's a thank you. It is a thank you. It's a thank yeah. you to millions of people, you know, and, and I've been so very, very blessed. I've always felt, very honestly, that I don't make fans in this world. I make friends. And I feel that the reason I was able to make friends, I owe a debt of gratitude to the talk shows and the game shows. Mm -hmm. Because those are the shows that introduced me across America, across the part of the world, because we're, we're, we're shown everywhere, uh, the character of Ruta Lee. And you either liked her or not, uh, rather than, you know, some doped up uh, junkie somewhere, some uh, alcoholic uh, hooker somewhere, some Miss Goody Two-Shoes in a in a beautiful uh, estate uh, somewhere. I played all kinds of people with all kinds of parts. And so people got to know Ruta as Ruta on the talk and the game shows. And now that, now that you've loosened up a little, can you, <laughs> can you please tell I us you, how, you, how you saw Frank Sinatra's dick? <laughs> Please, I would never call it a dick. <laughs> I would only call it a handsome sign of masculinity. Yes, that was the word you used in the book, a mask, his masculinity. Very, All right. Very tactful. So let me tell you, Gilbert, you are not going to oodle me into this. You've got to get the book, people, and read it. <laughs> I'm exposing no more than that. We, 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 since, you, since you talk about so many people that you've liked over the years and, and, uh, and friends, and Gilbert and I got a kick out of this, because as I said, Ruta, we've done almost 370 of these shows, and we have had a hard time finding anyone to say a nice word until you came along about Joey Bishop and about Jack Carter. And you like ah. them both. Yes, I did. Um, I know that Joey was very, very tough on my good friend, Regis Philbin. And uh, he got fired from that show and was doing a show that I happened to work on for about two years, I think, uh, which was a two and a half hour live talk show every day here in Los Angeles. And... Uh, so I, I heard some stories about how unattractive a person Joey could be. On the other hand, when we were working together, he was nothing but wonderful. And maybe he was in his element being part of the Rat Pack, you know, being with Frank Sinatra and Dean mm -hmm. Martin and Sammy Davis and Joey Bishop and Peter Lawford. He was entertaining with the guys and he was a most entertaining human being and very, very sweet with me. Not that I had a hell of a lot to do with him, but he was very nice with me. Jack Carter, on the other hand, was one of my best friends. Oh, that's nice to hear. And I think that he was probably his own worst enemy. 
because he made life difficult for the people that hired him and fired him and people that he had to work with. And yet I could ask Jack to do anything and he would come along and go for the ride and and he might grumble and piss and moan a lot about things. But on the other hand, he was probably one of the most generous human beings I've ever known. And uh, I was with him the night he died, uh, just a few hours before he passed on to meet his maker. Uh, I was at the home and uh, got to say my loving goodbyes to him in kind of an, a very soft, easy way. So I'm, I'm grateful that he added, did not subtract from my life. Very few people have subtracted, very few. And, and so Until you I met think, Gilbert. <laughs> Are you kidding? Gilbert is my new best friend. Anybody that asks about a schwanz on the air, it can't be all bad. <laughs> oh, Ruta. And and but this is is amazing to hear because everybody we have spoken to has hated both Joey Bishop yes. and Jack Carter. And this is nice to hear. Yeah, it is. It's refreshing. The other side of something, yeah. There, there have to be two sides to everything. But I know, I know how difficult Jack could be, and uh, I, I love to tell the story of how I was at a, a big event at the uh, car museum here in Los Angeles. My friends, the Petersons, donated it to the the best part of the city, and it's the automotive museum. And every year they had a big event until COVID came along, that would raise funds for the museum. And one of them was Comedy and Cars. Uh, they always had great titles. And they had every young, fabulous comic in this world. Uh, Gilbert, I, I can't remember all their names, but really the hot new comics were invited to come and perform at this big event at the museum. And they saved Jack until last. Now, he was mostly in a wheelchair at this point, but God bless Dr. Pirro, who happens to be my doctor as well and was his. He was in the house, and he brought Jack up to the podium, helped him up the stairs and helped him to the podium where he could stand, and he sort of put his hands so that he was steady now, mind you, we had laughed our asses off up to this point. Now, let me tell you, Jack Carter came forward. He did 20 of the funniest minutes anybody has ever done on the face of this earth. Wiped all those young comics, those hot shots, right off the face of the map. And you walked away saying, that's how an old pro does it. And boy, do I miss the old pros. I have to tell you, that my heart bleeds, that we don't have very many of them left. You know, we, we just lost my, my darling um, Crosby, Norm Crosby, not long ago. Mm-hmm. I went to his funeral, and, uh, and we still have, God love him, Shecky Green. He's still full of piss and vinegar. And, Shecky's uh, a big fan of Gilbert's, Ruta. Oh, I'm so glad, and I'm so glad, and Shecky. He's not. What? He's not? Oh, I'd love to hear he, what he had to say. I, 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 
I was on stage at some event, and he was there, and um, he was supposed to be on next, right after me. And then he wasn't. They got someone else. And I, I heard that he got, he started screaming about my, my set. I've never heard language like that in my <laughs> life. And he says, I was in the Navy. We didn't say words like that. Well, and, I hope. And he, he, he threatened to punch out. Um, Freddie Roman. <laughs> Freddie Roman. Really? And, and uh, Yes. And, oh, what's the other guy? Stewie Stone? Oh, Stewie Stone. Yeah. He threatened to punch them out. And, <laughs> well, if he catches this broadcast, I guess I'm the one that's going to get punched out. <laughs> did you go on a couple of dates with Shecky, Ruta? I did, I did. Uh, so let me tell you the funny story, which I got in the book, which is uh, in the book, is that I was uh, guesting on the dating game. Remember the uh, dating game? Sure, of Used to be great Jim fun. Lang. They would have a celebrity of some kind uh, and three kind of yo-yos, as I put it, uh, that are hidden, and the celebrity would get to pick one of them to go on a date that the uh, that there was either a, a chaperone on or you didn't bother, you just took your fee for being there and you let it go at that. And the chaperone could take, I mean, the, the this person could take his own date. Well, I got very smart-assed answers from one of the guys that were behind a screen, and uh, I thought, oh, he's slightly full of himself. And the other two give kind of normal, nice, mundane, boring, but safe answers. And so I didn't pick Mr. Shecky Green. I picked one of the other guys to go on the date with. And you know where the date was? No. To Nepal. Nepal wow. in the Himalayan mountains. Wow. To a place called Tiger Tops. First class all the way. And I thought, if I don't go on this trip, I'm a total idiot. But anyway, <laughs> a little bit after the, uh, after the show, I uh, went out with Shecky a couple of times. And I liked him a lot. And more than him, I liked his parents. They were wonderful, sweet people. And he took me to meet them. What do you suppose that meant? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. It, it meant if I played my cards right, I could have been Mrs. Shecky Green. Mrs. Shecky. Yeah. Wouldn't that and, have been something? And, and I think I think what all of our audience is asking now, did you see Shecky Green's dick? No, I did not. <laughs> Gilbert. <laughs> Gilbert. He's you don't understand. I'm I'm a Miss Goody Two Shoes. I'm I'm a very old fashioned Catholic girl. <laughs> so I've seen very very uh, um, few men's accoutrements. <laughs> She's too classy for you, Gilbert. <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. After this. And and you can honestly say you worked with Martin and Lewis, uh, but just not at the same time. Right. That's uh, right. Dean Martin and I worked with on Sergeant 3. And Jerry, in spite of the fact that I'd known him for 50 years, 
never made a pass at me, so I cannot describe any of his accoutrement. Uh, <laughs> but you, you like Jerry. You got to work with Jerry on Funny Bones. And you, I and love you guys, Jerry. You guys clicked. I love Jerry. I, we clicked years before. I did a couple of special kind of things for him mm-hmm. uh, where he needed uh, aid in something he was doing that was charitable, and I came to help out and whatever. So I've known him for years, and, you know, he, he always had all kinds of new electronic things and things around him. And one day I commented, in fact, I write about this in the book, I, I he had a a gramophone. You know what that is? Nobody that's listening to you knows what a sure. gramophone is. Sure, sure. A record player, you know, that played all three speeds of vinyl. And uh, I commented on how wonderful it was because it was such a small, unique package. And the next day one was delivered to my house, you know, and I used it forever and ever and ever. But we did Funny Bones together, which frankly should have been a big cult hit because it was a remarkable film with Leslie Caron and, and of course, Jerry Lewis. And uh, I, all, all I, I thought... Great cast, Oliver Platt, all, yourself. And Oliver, Oliver Platt, Reed. Oliver Reed, right. Yes, good, very and good cast. Wonderful film. But uh, there was a great change happening at the studio uh, at Disney. The head was leaving, and it had been his favorite, and the new head did not think it was a big favorite. So as I put in my book, uh, his favorite was Pocahontas, which went up in smoke signs. And uh, and our film got kind of pushed aside in spite of four and five star reviews that it got in screenings. So I was thrilled to death that we would work together and we were on location in England in Blackpool and and in London and then in Vegas. So it was quite a wonderful experience for me. And to be able to work with with uh, uh, my, my darling Jerry Lewis was really marvelous. And uh, I admire him for everything that he did for so many years with his telethons and raising the kind of money that they did to help more people. Certainly. So, Gilbert, it and- took us 365 shows to find someone who liked Joey Bishop, Jack Carter, and Jerry Lewis. And that, and that person is Ruta Lee. <laughs> now, I met you're Jerry. a good soul, Ruta. Do you want me I to tell Jerry. you something rude about Sister Teresa or what? <laughs> it's very interesting to read in the book, Ruta, too, how you, you and the Rat Pack. First of all, the story, I won't go into too many details. We'll let people buy the book. But the story of how Frank uh, discovered you for Sergeant Three, or decided yes. that you had to be in Sergeant Three, but also the way they kind of protected you and took you took you under their uh, their wing a little bit. That 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 Sammy used to walk you home at yes. the end of the shooting day, and they came up with a nickname for you. They called you what was it, Loudy? Loudy, because he said that was Dean Martin. You know, first of all, Frank was uh, the the chairman. Uh, Dean was drunky. Sammy was smoky, and I was loudy. And why was I loudy? Dean said, God didn't give Ruta tits. He gave her a set of speakers. (laughs) That's a good line. (laughs) And and you were friends with the bold people, Charles Bronson. Yes, yes, yes. Charlie Bronson 
is of Lithuanian descent as, as am I. So that sort of, <coughs> excuse me, formed a, a, a beginning for our relationship when I uh, guested on Man with a Camera, I think was his first series. I mean, people have forgotten that he did several series before be, he became a super international star. And uh, I'm so happy that I got to know him right from the beginning. And he and his wife, Jill Ireland, supported the Thalians year after year after year. And uh, I, I have nothing but loving and kind things to say about this lovely man. Yeah, he's, we talk about him on the show a lot. We also talk about another friend of yours on the show a lot, and that was uh, the late Aaron McGavin. We're oh, big, boy. Gilbert and I are big fans. Well, as you will all hear and see and read in the book, I owe the ownership of my house in Palm Springs to Darren McGavin, who was, of course, uh, the... What did he play? Um, oh, my, my ooh, camera, originally. My camera, thank you. Yeah. I was forgetting yeah. too many titles in my head. Uh, he and his wife had gone down to Palm Springs and really got anxious to buy a, a, a weekend home. And uh, right across the street from the very, very popular all-star visited weekend, uh, 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 what's it called, the uh, tennis club there, the racket club, uh, was a, a place called the racket club, a development across the street. And a lot of stars were buying cutesy pie little weekend homes, getaway homes. Mm -hmm. And so they made a deposit on one for themselves and in the process without asking made a deposit on one for me and then they called me and I thought oh my god I mean he's the star of a series these are all big stars out there that are buying these these little houses I don't have that kind of money you know how much that house cost 19.5 $19,000. And five hundred exactly. Wow. wow. A three-bedroom, two-bath house. Now, no pool, no nothing. You've got a fence, you got two trees, and that's it. A garage and a, you know, a driveway into the garage and cement work, but that's it. The rest you all had to do. And it's one of the best things that I ever did. I bought that house not thinking about how the hell I was ever going to pay for it, but thank God I came from parents who understood what ownership of property meant. You know, better you own it and, and rent it or do what you want to with it, but you own it. And they said, listen, you run into trouble, we give you help money. Don't worry, don't worry, buy. <laughs> so I, I don't worry, I buy. And uh, it's one of the best moves I ever made. So Darren McGavin did you a big solid. He sure did. He sure did. What an un underrated actor. He could really do a lot of things. I I remember him as Big Chicken. And, Big? Uh, no, you're thinking oh, of Gavin McLeod, Gil. Ga Gavin McLeod. Yes, I get them confused, too. Gavin McLeod and Darren <laughs> McGavin. Uh, they Darren were... McGavin, yes. Yes. Da Darren McGavin, my memory of him, I was at the Friars Club. And he was there in a bathrobe, 
And he asked me if I could work the remote control. He couldn't figure it out. And I couldn't figure it out either. And I always felt bad about that. That I couldn't help out Darren McGavin. Where I were you when him. this happened? At the Friars Club. Oh, at the New York oh, Friars the... Club. Oh, 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 oh. I thought he was in the bathroom again. And I thought, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> now, also... You were friends with uh, two of uh, the greatest dance men of all time, uh, Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly. Yes. Wow. Of course, I became a very good friend of uh, Fred Astaire's daughter, Ava. And Ava now lives in Palm Springs, but I went to see her when she lived in Ireland and... Uh, uh, Fred was so very, very sweet. And I, I keep thinking, he was so sweet with me, he would uh, say, I'll come to dinner if Ruta's coming, when Ava asked him. And I, I should have played my cards right there. I could have been Mrs. Fred Astaire. And just think of the... Uh, <laughs> j- just think of all the royalties I could get now. <laughs> did, did he give you? Did he write little notes to you? Uh, give you little yes, pieces of advice? He on did. Notes? Yeah. He did. You know, we became very good friends when we were shooting the movie. Funny face. And uh, yeah, when I say very good friends, I mean he was a big star and I was a newbie. You know, but he was very, very nice with me, and so was Audrey Hepburn. She was adorable. Anyway. He would watch me on the different shows coming up, uh, you know, that I would guest star on and so on and so forth. And he would send me a little note saying, don't wear that color on camera. It is not the most flattering or do that kind of thing again. That was really good. And like a big idiot schmuck, I didn't save those wonderful notes that were that would have meant a fortune to me now in, in just memories, if never mind financially. But how wonderful of him to have taken the time. But you know, when you're young and stupid, you think life will always be this way. It'll always go on. You don't realize that you are making memories that you should keep forever and ever. Uh, So I'm glad that I can still have my memories. I have not yet gone into dementia. And uh, I I thank God for everything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, t- talk about those old days, too, uh, Ruta. I saw you on, in an interview with Ileana Douglas, our friend Ileana Douglas, and you were talking uh-huh. about you, you're, you're a person after my heart and Gilbert's because you were talking about the old automat and, at Horn and Hardin. You were talking and you were talking about, you know, those old days for, for New York actors. You were also talking about what Hollywood was like when you first came to Los Angeles. I assume in the late 40s, how it was on. Un- un- it wasn't crowded and it was unspoiled. Yeah, I was still a little girl when we arrived. I was all of 11 years old, let's say. Mm-hmm. And when I grew up in Montreal, Canada, where I was doing my growing up, you had to be 16 years old to go to a movie. Children were not allowed in the theater. They would make exceptions for something like Bambi or whatever, so long as the parents went with you because there had been a terrible uh, fire, a conflagration that where children were killed, trampled in the fire of people getting out. So therefore, nobody was allowed in the theater anymore. So I never saw any movies. So when we came to California, 
I was enthralled with going to the big movie palaces, Warner Brothers and Paramount and and Grobbins Chinese and RKO and whatever had these beautiful palaces. And I would save my money and, and take my lunch money that my mother gave me and go either walk or take a bus up to the movies and go see these fabulous movies. And, and I fell in love with all the stars. And of course, I assumed I was going to be, you know, picked up by some producer or some big star maker by just you walking you're be up discover- and down. Discovered of course. Like, Lana, like Lana Turner and Schwab's? Uh, exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. what I thought. That's right. going to happen to everybody, you know. And, and, uh, like I write in the book, thank God they were gentler times and uh, nobody discovered me, but nobody killed me either, you know. <laughs> nobody grabbed me and, and threw me in a car. And Frank and I were talking about how the uh, actors who had zero money, how they would have make food for themselves. Oh, yes, I remember hearing those stories, Gilbert, at Horn and Hardart especially, which was a place for those of you who are too young to have ever experienced it or even seen it at a movie. There were rows and rows and rows, probably about six, seven feet high, of windows and little glass cages. And behind the glass windows were pieces of pie or sandwiches or meatloaf or whatever the case may be. And you put in coins or you paid for it and you opened and you took it out. Now, they had things like bottles of ketchup and containers of cream or milk or whatnot for the coffee on the side. Salt and pepper, crackers to go with the soup you bought. So starving actors would come into Horn and Hardot, pick up a paper cup, dump in a bunch of ketchup, fill it with hot water that was for coffee or tea, put in salt and pepper, crack in a bunch of crackers that you've got, free crackers, and they made soup for themselves. And I've heard of countless people that survived on these these meals. And I I just think, why hasn't that been done in a movie yet? That's kind of special. Well, we both remember the automat, right, Gil? Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. Went. Was one in Forty uh, Second Street on the east side here? Yeah, when I was a little kid, I would go with my parents. That was like eating out uh, the automat, and I still to this day remember they had like a lion's head, a metal lion's head that you got hot ch- hot chocolate out of. Oh, good memories. When I went to L.A., Ruta, so many of the great places were gone. I mean, Chasen's was gone, and I didn't. I, I got there in the '90s, and the, the Brown Derby was gone. I mean, it must have been a yeah. wonderful. It must have been a wonderful time. You were there for the heyday. Stop and think that yes, you're right. I was there for the heyday. That that Liz Taylor would have chili from Chasen's delivered mm-hmm. to her in Acapulco or Puerto Vallarta or wherever she was. I found that fascinating, and everybody loved the bartender there because he made the best martinis in those wonderful big glasses. Uh, oh, oh, how lovely! Mm. I was. I miss all that. In, yeah, I bet. In your book, you mentioned working on the wackiest ship in the <laughs> army. 
Jack Warden. Yes. <laughs> what, what a funny guy. Movie? I adored working on it. Uh, I write about this in Consider Your Ass Kissed, about, to me, one of the funniest things, and this is another time I peed my pants, tw twice in show business that I can think of. <laughs> I was doing a scene, and it was the last shot of the day, and our director had three cameras set up, one up on a hillside to get an overview of the wackiest ship and the rowboat that we had to row out to the wackiest ship in, a closer one on the beach seeing us running to the boat, piling in, and one a close-up of us getting in the boat, right? And all cameras are going to roll at the same time, and... The director is getting panicky because he's losing light. The sun is going down. It's the last shot of the day. And he roars and like C.B. DeMille, cameras all going at the same time. We run to the boat. We get in and Gary starts rowing the boat. And nobody notices that there's a big hole in the boat. And the boat starts to sink halfway to the wackiest <laughs> ship. We are now up to our asses in water. Thank God that's where I was peeing. And <laughs> laughing so hard. And the director, so help me God, Dick Serafian said, Ah, shit, I quit. <laughs> I remember that and name, he did. Dick Serafian. <laughs> Dick so he Serafian. did quit. <laughs> I think he quit. I don't think he'd ever did another one. But, oh, my God, we laughed so hard. And Warden, of course, you know, knows how to compound a felony and make it even funnier. And uh, nothing could be funnier, though, than the entire cast in their wardrobe sinking in the water. We love. We go ahead, Gil. You know, I was saying that we, we've spoken about Jack Warden a few times on this show because we love the old great uh, character actors. And you work and with so many. One. You work Hugh O'Brien and, and Pat O'Brien and Ben Gazzara and, yeah. and Ross Martin and Dick Godier, who we loved. I mean, these were, these were all people you got to work with and, and befriend. Dick Godier was married to Barbara Stewart, I remember who was them on my Tattle best Tales. girlfriend mm -hmm. yeah. uh, here in my house in Laurel Canyon. About that. And I always said, if, if I fail in show business, I can always do weddings at my house. I'm very good at that. <laughs> we would have loved to have Dick on this show. And, and an accomplished artist, too. A very, very fine artist, yes. Yeah. And, and you worked with uh, Werner Klemperer. Yes. Again. <laughs> she worked with him in, I, on the big screen and the small screen. I yeah. did. I did. Colonel we did the, the first movie that was called Operation Eichmann. And uh, he played Eichmann, and I played, and he played it brilliantly. I mean, he's a, a seriously good actor. And I played uh, his mistress, and... Uh, Amazingly enough, with the, the full German accent, everything. I'm, I'm fairly good with accents. And then, of course, we would revisit on, on uh, Hogan's Heroes. And uh, what, what fun it always was to be with him. And by the way, that first movie that I did, uh, Eichmann, was the first movie which got residuals when pay, played on television. Oh, that's All interesting. All those previous movies never oh. got residuals. 
SAG work something out. I heard of so many. Most of those shows, like the people on um, on Gilligan's Island, never made a penny off that, and it's still playing to this day. I wonder why. Did they do buyouts or something? Maybe there. I've heard a lot of a stories. A lot of shows in the pe- '60s. They, you know, they got paid once or twice, and that was it. We were supposed to get paid for thirteen views. I believe it was. You know, it, it decreased. Mm-hmm. I sure. So help me God, I've gotten pennies, uh, pennies, I've gotten uh, residuals for like 40 cents, but the stamp was 45 cents to right. mail yeah, it to Gil- me. Gil- Gil- Gilbert and I still get those too. Oh, I yeah. have a check that I framed uh, for a penny. <laughs> And, and I and I put it in a frame with a, a fortune that I got from a Chinese restaurant that said, <laughs> your talent will be recognized and suitably rewarded. <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. Rudy, you talk about yourself doing accents, and Gilbert and I were talking about this today. I, I, I found one of those Hogan's Heroes episodes. You're playing a character named Olga. 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 You played, a lo- you played a lot of Russians. You played a lot of Swedes. <laughs> you played yes. a lot of Germans. And what what we get a kick out of is in those days, going through your IMDb page, in those days you could turn up on a show six times. You were yes. on 77 Sunset Strip as six different characters. Isn't that fun? It was like going to to school because I got to play so many different people with so many wonderful people. Oh, God, they were the good days at, at, at Warner Brothers. Oh, such fun and such beautiful young people, all of whom I kind of grew up with, you know. And one of the mistakes I made was not going under contract when I should have. And why? Because the numbers ruled. I was getting more money guest starring practically every other week on something than I would be if I were under contract. But that's one of those mistakes that one makes when they're young and stupid. It happens. It happens. <laughs> yep. It, it, it's like on the honeymooners... Uh, they had on, and I always forget his name. We were talking. Oh, George about him. Petrie. George Petrie. Yeah. Who he would play like a bank robber or the head of the bus company. They'd or, use the same uh, guy over and over yes. again on the same thirty-nine yeah. episodes. Yeah. Well, it was like a stock company. You know, you use the guy you've got. I've got a great a great question here for you, uh, Rudo. It's merely a comment from a listener. He's uh, Gregory Ward. He says, I love Ruta Lee, and I want her to know that in a span of several weeks during the pandemic, I was watching a lot of television, and I saw her on Rawhide, Gunsmoke, Bat Masterson, Maverick, and Perry Mason. That's damned impressive. Oh, boy. <laughs> Four <laughs> Westerns and a, and a modern. Oh, that's wonderful. You did a I lot of Westerns. I love the Westerns. I surely did. I did, and I love doing them. Uh, the only thing I, that I didn't like was that you had to get up at before dawn, because you had to be on the set at the crack of dawn, six o'clock, you know, for makeup. And usually had to get up at four in order to be at the studio at five, in order to be at the location at six. But, oh boy, I am so grateful to the Wranglers and the Cowboys, the real Cowboys. Oh, <laughs> I, I sounded like a jet just came through our house. Excuse me. 
who taught me so much. The Wranglers taught me to respect everybody and everything in our business because you never know when you are going to be in a different position than you're in. And they taught me a great deal about horses, how to get on and off a horse, because I'm little and, and horses are always big. And they also taught me a great deal about guns, handling them, and how to care for them, and how to respect them, and how to respect people who have them. You said in your book that on one of your auditions, when you were really, really young, your mother came along with you, and first she stopped off at the church. Right, Gil. And I went in and auditioned. And my mother was on her knees lighting candles. And I was in auditioning for Michael Kidd and uh, Stan Donan for Seven Brides, my very first movie job. And I did a little ballet because I thought I was a dancer in those days. And I did a little jazz. And I was, what, 16, I guess. And finally, Stanley Donan or... or I guess it was Michael said, can you do a little something folksy? Boy, can I do something folksy. A good Lithuanian polka is exactly what I did. Now, I don't show, I don't know whether it was my polka that got the job or my mother's lighting candles and praying across the street or a combination of both, but I got probably one of the most delicious gifts I ever got in my life, and that was to be in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers my first movie job and one always to be remembered. Think of the generations of people that have seen oh, Seven yeah. Brides. In Cinemascope. How many generations? Do you know that we had to shoot that in two processes? Mm -hmm. Once in Cinemascope and once for widescreen because Cinemascope wasn't in all the theaters yet. And then they cut the budget. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we got the short end of the stick, but that's okay. Look and, at the hit we came up with. And here's here's one I've been sitting on the whole time. Uh-oh. <laughs> but here's a, a very uh, popular story about Cesar Romero. Brace yourself, Ruta. Okay. <laughs> okay. That he used to gather together a bunch of uh, young gentlemen, and he would pull down his pants and underwear... And they would fling orange wedges at his ass. This is a crazy Hollywood rumor that Gilbert came up with, Ruta. I think Gilbert made it up, never mind came up with it. <laughs> you knew Cesar Romero personally. Very well. Yes. So you He could... was a friend for many years. He's been in my home countless times. We've done dinner together. We've appeared places together. And in fact, he was the handsome man that walked me down the aisle when I was a Deb star, which introduced the stars of tomorrow that the makeup artists had. And I can't see it. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, we, uh, he, he, was, he was absolutely the most wonderful friend I could possibly hope for, to have. Now, I, there has been countless talk about his uh, involvement with Ty Power, uh, but I wasn't there. I don't guarantee anything, but maybe that was just another rumor as far as anything goes. 
Um, so you never saw any citrus fruit? <laughs> when, when no. Either either on his posterior or off it. I didn't. I didn't. When when he got up from your couch, there was never an orange juice thing. <laughs> Oh, You're brother. a bad boy, and Gilbert, you've got to go to f- confession in the morning. <laughs> We're talking about Donan, Bruno. Talk, talk about another iconic director that, that hired you, that cast you, and that's the great Billy Wilder. Oh, my God. And, and oh, my God. for the prosecution, one of my favorites. Oh, what a director. What a man. What a mind. What a fabulous sense of humor. What, what everything about him to me was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And uh, actually, he didn't cast me. Uh, Arthur Hornblow Jr. Oh, that's right. He cast saw you at Mocambo. Right. Right. And he saw something in me as I was watching my beloved Frank Sinatra, whom I'd never met, but uh, hanging with my mouth hanging open. Uh, because Frank Sinatra, let's face it, for anybody listening, was the most mesmerizing, unbelievably phenomenal guy. And as a performer on live stage, oh, excuse me, I've got the hiccups. Uh, anyway, he uh, he had me come in to meet Billy Wilder, and Billy put me on film and, uh, you know, different angles. And just to get a look at me, and from what I gather, Marlena Dietrich uh, took a look and said, Nicked, not this one. She's blonde like me. No, 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 no. And I immediately became a brunette. But uh, but Billy was a fabulous man to work for, and I really just worshipped at his shrine. Good picture. And, and And you just mentioned Frank Sinatra now. Do you have any stories you could tell us about Frank Sinatra? He's being a wise-ass, Ruta. You want to refer to his apparatus again? Is that <laughs> yes, <it>? yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have to tell... I talk about one of the wild stories in the book. Is 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 you... What What is that story about... Uh, he went to surprise Ava Gardner on, the, on set. He went to Africa. To surprise yes. her, and she was totally nonplussed when he right. got, when he got there. He really took you into his confidence about he how did. about how wounded he still was. Uh, he how, he and that he, torch he, he carried. He did. He would. I would often go up to his house for dinner, which is just you know maybe three f- miles away from where I live, and it would just be the two of us. And he'd have dinner made, and and he would talk and talk and talk. And it was such a blessing, such a delight, and such an incredible memory to think that I sat with the fabulous Frank Sinatra and didn't see the chairman of the board, Bravura, but got to see and, and hear the stories of his unrequited love for Ava Gardner and how I think he carried that torch for many, many years. It's fascinating. That he took the time and trusted me enough to share these stories was really quite amazing to me. 
It's also amazing and that a man with that much power, who was a kingmaker, you know, was that that was his Achilles' heel, was his his uh, his his love for this woman. But Frank, remember at the time that the other Frank we're talking about, yes, was not in his king-making or breaking mode. Right, it was. He was slipping terribly. Right before from here he to is, eternity. Right, it was right. way before from here to eternity. And he literally borrowed money from the saloon keeper that he played in the club for in Montreal to be able to fly yeah. to Africa where she was shooting Mogambo. Uh, it's it's so, it's so it's, sad, it's but, a wild but story. sweet. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and Sinatra was one of those people that could be your friend and then like turn on you. Oh yeah. His his uh, patience level ran from A to B with very few stops in between. I mean, he he would fire away very quickly. But in most cases, when I was with and around him, and Lord knows I was a lot, both the, in Los Angeles, in Las Vegas, in Kanab, Utah, in Palm Springs, wherever. He was very, very gracious with fans that came to see him, but he would get very irritated if he was trying to put a drink to his mouth and someone took his hand and put his glass or put his hand with his glass down on the table and said, Frank, 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 I want you to meet so-and-so. Or if he was trying to eat a plate of pasta and someone literally took the, the hand with the fork in it and laid it down on the on the plate, he'd get rather pissed at that sort of thing. Didn't like that at all. Didn't like the being touched. But you can't blame him, you know? He's here, he is having dinner. And did, a lot of people did he touching turn, him. He turned on you at one point. Well, he did, because uh, I, I don't really know why. I never got a, an absolute ex- explanation of why. But I write in detail about it. He got distressed that there was a, a kind of a catty remark being made in the press because he didn't show up for where he was supposed to be to present the award to Sammy Davis when he was our honoree. And Frank had promised to come and uh, sing and present the award to Sammy. And, and he was going to be my date. And I thought, boy, I hit the trifecta. And uh, he did not come. He had his reasons that were not available to anybody at the time because it had to do with the vice president and and attacks that were being launched, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, he didn't speak to me or answer any of my questions or letters asking why he was so angry at me. What did I do? And and then a year went by, I think, and, and we ran into each other somewhere and he opened his arms to me as if nothing had ever transpired and said, hey, Loudy, my baby, how are you? Come here, you know, and took me into his arms and gave me a kiss. And we uh, never, ever rehashed, nor did I want to. I was just glad enough to be in that loving aura of Frank Sinatra because he truly did have a loving aura about him. 
and so do his kids, you know. So I, I was so happy to to have uh, the kids as my friends. I was so happy to have the first Nancy as my friend. I want to ask you a couple of names that you talk about in the book, Ruta. Can we just fire a few names at you and you could give us maybe five words on each sure. one of them? But sure, like a, almost like a almost like a word association. Mickey Rooney. Ooh, very, very gifted, very, very talented, and met a demise that really he didn't shouldn't have had. Uh, he he died without experiencing all the love that people had for him at his funeral. Oh, that's a shame. It's like it's funny because one time a reporter asked Sammy Davis Jr. They said. How do you feel being the greatest performer in the world? And and Sammy Davis said, I'm not. Mickey Rooney is. He's right. How about that? He's right. As much as I love Sammy and think he's one of the best gifts God gave us, uh, Mickey Rooney had so much talent. But he was difficult. He was a little bit like Jack Carter in that he could cut his own throat. Here's a couple other names, quickly. Uh, James Garner. Whoa! What an adorable, adorable guy. And uh, I I loved him. I loved working with him. I loved being around him. And uh, wish he hadn't died so young. We, we have never heard a disparaging word about that man. He seemed beloved. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Also, in your book, you said you, one time on a movie you were sitting in the director's chair, and so oh, you know this story already. I do. I do. I had been invited to use it. It was on. It was at Warner Brothers, and it was may have been on a uh, seventy-seven Sunset Strip set. I can't remember now, but it's it's. I I deal with. Guardian angels, I think we all have them, and I think we all have to learn to hear them when they are whispering to us and do whatever they tell us. Because I was sitting in a chair at Warner Brothers, and uh, I was very happy sitting in the chair, a high director's chair, and I could see what was going on. And suddenly I felt like I had to move. And I don't know why, because I had nowhere to go. I was still watching a scene. And as I got up and moved about three feet away, a big spotlight, a Klieg light, fell from the catwalk up above and smashed the chair that I was sitting into smithereens. And I said, oops, one has to recognize those voices. When they tell you to do something, do it. <laughs> How about that? Here's another name. Your bestie, Debbie Reynolds. Oh, my God. You're talking about Saint Debbie. Mm -hmm. She was, without a doubt, the most generous, loving human being I've ever known. She, as she got older and wiser, she tried to save her energy and not expend as much as she used to when she was younger. So sometimes people thought, oh, she's quiet and reticent. No, she was just saving her energy. 
but she taught me a great deal. And she taught me something that everybody in this world should recognize if you're in the process of paying it forward or paying it back. And that is, you can ask anybody, anywhere, anytime, for anything, as long as it isn't for yourself. If it's for charity, you can ask for the world. And it's what she did, and it's what she taught me to do. And what a great talent. I mean, she could sing, she could dance, she could do comedy. And she uh, could one person really, really great. One person I had the pleasure of working with and that you worked with was John Ritter. Uh-huh. He went to the same high school I went to, Hollywood High. Hollywood High. Uh-huh. I got out of Catholic school. I was raised in Catholic schools all of my life. And the only reason I got out of Catholic school is because I lived up in Laurel Canyon and there was a bus, a school bus that Hollywood High had, whereas Immaculate Heart didn't have a school bus. So <clears throat> I would ride on that school bus every day with Ricky and David Nelson. Oh, yeah. And yes, and... uh John Ritter went to Hollywood High as well. What a darling, darling guy. Sweetheart of a guy, adorable, friendly, open. What else can I say? Just the neatest and died way too young. Yes, that's a tragedy. Another, another beloved guy. You know, I, I found this interesting. Too. By the way, Ruta, did you, ever, uh, did you ever meet Groucho in your travels? Never. Interesting. Never. I met Zeppo. Zeppo tried to pick me up one time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll settle for that. And the, the and least important Marx brother tried to pick you up. To pick me up. Zeppo Marx. And, and Zeppo was the one that Barbara Marx was married to, who later became Mrs. The last Mrs. Frank, Frank Sinatra. There you go. See what a small world we live in, it my really darlings. Is. It really is. And, and you worked with George Reeves, the original Superman. Yes. I think it was probably the first job I ever had. And I almost got kicked out of, I wasn't even in the union. So, because I didn't get a, a union card for that. I got a union card on George Burns and Gracie Allen show. But I, I, wanted to rehearse the jitterbug that I was supposed to do with a guy, an actor whose name I've forgotten now. And uh, and as I went to plug in the gramophone, as I called them, no. uh, into the wall, a union guy smacked my hand and said, don't you do that, little lady. That's some other guy's job, not yours. And I went, oh, I almost got kicked off the set. <laughs> But George Reeves did not come to my rescue in his Superman outfit. Oh, another, <laughs> another, another performer who came to a bad end, sadly. Oh I yes. Have, uh, you know, a little life perspective, Ruta. You 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 wound up being an usherette and selling candy in Grauman's Chinese. When you got fired, you later, years later, got a star on the Walk of Fame. Right. Yes. Right, right outside. Did your mom, who was a little bit of a stage mom, as you say, a little, did she did she live to see a lot of your success? 
When you say little bit of a stage mom, it was less than little. <laughs> she was the least thing resembling a showbiz mom. But she put but you yes, out there. She put you in those she, talent shows. She got me out there, and amazingly enough, she she did the only thing she knew how. Sure. But she didn't know show business. She didn't know the theater. She didn't know that that was the likely next step for me. But she got me to Hollywood, you know. God love her. And yeah. I've got to tell you that... Yes, she lived to see a great deal of my success. That's I'm, nice. I'm so grateful for that. So did my dad. And my dad, who was always, oh, she don't work, she don't like, she's never going to be good. You know, he was one of those. He was Always critical. grumbled. However, he also would go down to the gun club, you know, where he liked to hang out and, and do bullets and things with all the guys and speak very highly of me. Or he'd go down to the the uh, gas station where he had the car repaired and he'd tell them all about his daughter Ruta doing this and that. And the guys That's would always nice. say to me, do you know how nicely your, your dad spoke of you? I found that hard to believe, you know. But uh, so he got to enjoy it. And, and above all, uh, my mother really got to enjoy it. I'm glad because it, it was it was clear that when the teacher said to your mother, this girl is special, there's something about her, you, you have to... Uh you have to put her on a stage or get her music lessons or whatever the case may be. So her faith was, was rewarded and, 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 and justified. Her faith was rewarded and the speech that that teacher made, that preschool teacher, uh, changed our lives forever. I'll, be, I'll bet. And wherever she is, I hope she's telling God what to do about kids who have a little bit of something special going. That's nice. Hopefully, God has her ear. We want to plug the book again, Ruta. Consider your ass kissed. I, I just had my final question, as I was alluding to before. Do you have pinch me moments all these years later? You you were watching those women on the on those movie screens in Grauman's Chinese, and you got to work with everybody in Hollywood. I did, you and think I got about to that be, little three-year-old or four-year-old on that stage for the first time. I I think you know there's a wonderful picture of me holding my first prize winnings in a little costume that my mother made for me, and I think of what a smart-ass little kid I must have been. Uh, my mother said that I never met a stranger, that I I'm and I'm still that way. I don't meet a stranger. Mm -hmm. My husband Webb, God rest his soul always said, Ruta always made an elevator ride pleasant for everyone. She introduced everyone onto the elevator. God forbid they shouldn't have a good ride. So I, I think I was that way from a child. And uh, so I've, in, I've enjoyed every single second of my life in show business. And my life outside of show business has been pretty good, too. And in the last minute before we get out of here, tell us a few things about uh, your late friend, Alex Trebek. Oh, wow. My friend and, and neighbor, he was close by. I was with Alex, I think, five days before he died. And he looked great. And interestingly enough, what he told me was that while he's a, a great believer in a power far beyond ourselves a maker of sorts, call him what you will. He never was taken by a formal religion, but he acknowledged happily 
that if it hadn't been for the prayers and good thoughts that were sent his way by millions of his friends and fans, that he never would have made it as long as he did. Wow. And I just hope that everybody knows and recognizes that. I think I put that in the book. If I didn't, I'm going to do a postscript and write it in every time I, I think, sign. I think you did. You guys were a good team. Good. We were. We were great, great fun together. And he had the wildest sense of humor, which, of course, is what has made life wonderful for me. I've laughed my way through everything. Well, I hope we've been politically incorrect enough for you here, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> which, which which reminds me, I heard you once saw Frank Sinatra's dick. <laughs> the book. Would you have a story I'm, about that, Ruta? I'm going to rescue you, Ruta. <laughs> it's in the book. It's in the book. The book I is Consider Your Ass Kissed. You. Where, where can people get the book? That people can get the book on Amazon.com. They can get it at Barnes and Noble. They Wonderful. can go to their local bookstore in Hollywood. They can get it at Larry Edmonds. They can oh, get I love it Larry at Edmonds. Fabulous. Yes, they can get it at Fabulous. Just Fabulous in Palm Springs, where I'm going to have a signing on the 30th. If anybody's there, be there. That's my birthday. Come celebrate with me. Will you sign a copy for Gilbert and for me if we you, send it? You bet your sweet darling ass, which I want you to consider kissed. <laughs> I can die now. I've had my ass kissed by Ruta Lee. We, we want to thank uh, Judy Diamond. We want to thank Harlan Bowl for their hard work and for making this possible, and Gino Salamone. Uh, I refuse to thank Gilbert. <laughs> but, Ruta, I've been watching you on TV for a very, very long time. Uh, you've, you've entertained us for decades, and I'm so glad we got to meet you and make you a part thank of Thank you. My privilege, and I thank you, gentlemen, very, very much. And uh, this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and our guest was the terrific Ruta Lee. Ruta, when you get over the shyness, I think you're going to be okay in this business. <laughs> <laughs> thank, th thank you for doing this. Thank you. <laughs> 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 <laughs>